have a, a kingdom theme this morning. Uh, the theme that's going to the whole service is, is the kingdom of God. So we're going to start by singing two songs of praise. The first which talks about the king, Jesus who is the king, and the second um, which looks forward to the day when the kingdom will be realised. So praise Lord number 60, Jesus is king. Glory and power be unto the ancient of days, from every nation, all of creation, bow before the ancient of days. Let's pray together. Father God, that is why we are here, and this is what it's all about. This is the grand design, this is the great master plan, that we should be with you and you with us. And that you and the Lord Jesus shall fill this earth. Lord, as we think about your kingdom, we pray for your reign to begin now, today, in our hearts. That you will be Lord in this place. That you are the King and we are your servants, Father. Not servants here because we have to be, because we've been physically forced, but because we want to be. And we know that serving you, Father, the God of the entire universe is what it's all about. We will as we pray and bless this service and bless Trevor as he speaks to us later. In Jesus' name, Amen. Andrew has the announcements. News, further news about welfare, apart from two things. Um, Sister Wendy Leach uh, has been admitted to Stepping Hill Hospital. Um, she's poorly. We'll get some further details when I have them. But we think of Jessica and um, David and the family at this time. And also uh, Tessa Byram. Tessa, who's come quite often on Sunday evenings and um, to the Bible reading course, uh, has been diagnosed with some serious health problems. And she's starting treatment on... She's starting treatment on Tuesday, so perhaps we could pray for Wendy and uh, Tessa in our pastoral prayer. And also for Paul, Paul Byram, who many years ago used to come to the Sunday school here. And we think of them at this time. Does any, anybody have anyone or anything they would like to uh, bring before us so we can pray? Father, we bow before you now. And we think of all the activities that we have arranged, all the plans that we're making. And we commit them to you, Father. We ask your blessing. And we know that nothing that we can do by ourselves is worth anything. Only when you work in us can we bring about the fruit, the good fruit, uh, which can come to fruition. And Father, on this day when we think about harvest, Ian reminded me today as I was complaining about the rain how some people have no rain at all. And we thank you for all the good gifts you send us. And we pray for hearts, Lord, of, of giving natures that will we'll spread the goodness that you've given to us to other people. And we pray for your blessing on the harvest service this afternoon as we think about those ideas and all the gifts that we will send from this church. And Father, we pray for those who are in need. We pray for Wendy and the family. And Wendy's in hospital now. We don't know the details of why she's in there, but I'm sure it'll be a very worrying and stressful time for everybody. 
pray that they'll know your comfort and know your peace and know your strength. And we pray for your healing arms to be on Wendy. And we also pray for Dessa, pray for Tessa and her family as she's coming to terms with a, a serious illness that she's facing up to. Lord, again, we pray for your strength to be with her and your peace and your healing arms to be around her. And we pray that she will know that, that it comes from you, from you only. And we pray that as a church we'll be able to reach out to her and provide her what comfort we can. And for all the people, Father, whose names go unmentioned, whose problems aren't brought up here, Lord, we pray for a special blessing, that you'll be with them, that they will know that you're with them, that they will know that you never leave them, you're always by their side. Amen. Okay, we're going to take our, our readings now. And this morning I was gazing out the window thinking of an, an analogy to, to link the readings. And I don't know why, but I thought of a river. <laughs> a little did I know that we'd get a, an actual live enactment of this analogy. But sometimes I think of, of history as being like a river. It starts off as a small spring, or a drip if you like, and it's gathered pace throughout the centuries, leading to a time when it will reach fulfilment and spill out into the ocean of God's kingdom. And the readings that we have today have two, talk about two periods, if you like, when the history of the world went through um, staging posts, through, through times where things um, got really got great clarity. The first reading, um, which uh, Johnny's going to read, is from First Chronicles chapter 17. This is um, the chapter where, where David is, is asking God if he can build, um, build a house for God. Um, but as part of, of the answer, God talks about the reign of, of David's throne lasting forever and ever. And of course, Jesus was to take, take up that, that throne. So, um, Johnny is going to read for us first, first Chronicles chapter 17. After David was settled in his palace, he said to Nathan the prophet, Here I am living in a palace of cedar, while the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord is under a tent. Nathan replied to David, Whatever you have in mind, do it, for God is with you. That night the word of God came to Nathan, saying, Go and tell my servant David, This is what the Lord says, You are not the one to build me a house to dwell in. I have not dwelt in a house from the day I bought Israel up out of Egypt to this day. I have moved from one tent site to another, from one dwelling place to another. Wherever I have moved with the Israelites, did I ever say to any of their leaders, whom I commanded to shepherd my people, Why have you not built me a house of cedar? Now then, tell my servant David, This is what the Lord Almighty says. I took you from the pasture and from following the flock to be a ruler over my people Israel. I have been with you wherever you have gone, and I have cut off all your enemies from before you. Now I will make you a name, like the names of the greatest men on the earth, and I will provide a place for my people Israel and will plant them so that they can have a home of their own and no longer be disturbed. Wicked people will not oppress them anymore as they did at the beginning and have done since the time I appointed leaders over my people Israel. I will also subdue all your enemies. I declare to you that the Lord will build a house for you. When your days are over and you go with your fathers, I will raise up your offspring to succeed you one of your own sons, and I will establish his kingdom. 
He is the one who will build a house for me and I will establish his throne forever. I will be his father and he will be my son. I will never take my love away from him as I took it away from your predecessor. I will set him over my house and my kingdom forever. His throne will be established forever. Nathan reported this to David, the entire words of of this revelation. Then King David went in and sat before the Lord and he said, Who am I, O Lord God? And what is my family that you have brought me this far? And as if this were not enough in your sight, O God, you have spoken about the future of your house, of your servant. You have looked on me as though I were the most exalted of men, O Lord God. What more can David say to you for honouring your servant? For you know your servant, O Lord. For the sake of your servant and according to your will, you will have done this great thing and made known all these great promises. There is no one like you, O Lord, and there is no God but you, as we have heard with our own ears. And who is like your people, Israel, the one nation on earth whose God went out to redeem a people for himself and to make a name for yourself and to perform great and awesome wonders by driving out nations from before your people whom you redeemed from Egypt. You have made your people Israel your very own forever and you, O Lord, have become their God. And now, Lord, let the promise you have made concerning your servant and his house be established forever. Do as you have promised so that it will be established and that your name will be great forever. Then men will say, The Lord Almighty, the God over Israel, is Israel's God, and the house of your servant David will be established before you. You, my God, have revealed to your servant that you will build a house for him, so your servant has found courage to pray to you. O Lord, you are God. You have promised these good things to your servant. Now you have been pleased to bless the house of your servant, that it may continue forever in your sight. For you, O Lord, have blessed it and it will be blessed forever. Thank you, Johnny. Our second reading is um, from Galatians chapter 3, which talks about uh, promises that God made to Abraham thousands and thousands of years ago. And yet how we, those promises, and the river that flows from those promises, if you like, swallows us all up here today in 2010. Galatians chapter 3, and Liz is going to read that first. Galatians chapter 3. You foolish Galatians, who have bewitched you. Before your very eyes, Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed as crucified. I'd like to learn just one thing from you. Did you receive the Spirit by observing the law, or by believing what you heard? Are you so foolish? After beginning with the Spirit, are you now trying to attain your goal by human effort? Have you suffered so have you suffered so much for nothing, if it really was for nothing? Does God give you his spirit and work miracles among you because you observe the law or because you believe what you heard? Consider Abraham. He believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. Understand then that those who believe are children of Abraham. The scripture foresaw that God would justify the Gentiles by faith and announced the gospel in advance to Abraham. All nations will be blessed through you. So those who have faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. 
All who rely on observing the law are under a curse. For it is written, cursed is everyone who does not continue to do everything written in the book of the law. Clearly no one is justified before God by the law, because the righteous will live by faith. The law is not based on faith. On the contrary, the man who does these things will live by them. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who is hung on a tree. He redeemed us in order that the blessing given to Abraham might come to the Gentiles through Christ Jesus, so that by faith we might receive the promise of the Spirit. Brothers, let me take an example from everyday life. Just as no one can set aside or add to a human covenant that, that has been duly established, so it is in this case. The promises were spoken to Abraham and to his seed. The scripture does not say, and to seeds, meaning many people, but, and to your seed, meaning one person who is Christ. What I mean is this. The law, introduced 430 years later, does not set aside the covenant previously established by God and thus do away with the promise. For if the inheritance depends on the law, then it no longer depends on a promise. But God in his grace gave it to Abraham through a promise. What then was the purpose of the law? It was added because of transgressions until the seed to whom the promise referred had come. The law was put into effect through angels by a mediator. A mediator, however, does not represent just one, just one party, but God is one. Is the law, therefore, opposed to the promises of God? Absolutely not. If a law had been given that could impart life, then righteousness would certainly have come by the law. But the scripture declares that the whole world is a prisoner of sin, so that what was promised, being given through faith in Jesus Christ, might be given to those who believe. Before this faith came, we were held prisoners by the law, locked up until faith should be revealed. So the law was put in charge to lead us to Christ, that we might be justified by faith. Now, that faith has come, we are no longer under the supervision of the law. You are all sons of God through faith in Jesus Christ. All of you who were baptised into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female, for you are all one in Jesus Christ. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. So the river of, river of history has uh, many twists and turns, many tributaries, many, many little streams. But we come now to think about the point through which everything passes on its way to the kingdom. We come to think about um, the sacrifice of our Lord Jesus Christ. And I don't know what the kingdom is going to be like, I have no idea at all, but I'm pretty sure of one thing, that whatever the kingdom of God is like, we will always remember this moment. History will always pivot on this time that we're going to think about now. 
as we read those words of God to David um, um, from, from Chronicles 17. When your days are over and you go to be with your fathers, I will raise up your offspring to succeed you, one of your own sons, and I will establish his kingdom. He is the one who will build a house for me, and I will establish his throne forever. I will be his father, and he will be my son. I will never take my, take my love away from him, as I took it away from your predecessor. I will set him over my house and my kingdom forever. His throne will be established forever. Before we do break bread, we're going to sing Brain, where the sun doth his successive journeys run, his kingdom stretch from shore to shore, till sin shall curse the earth no more. And so we come now to dwell upon his love. And Andrew is going to offer our prayer for the bread. What a lovely thought, Father, that one day Jesus will reign over all the world. Wherever the sun sets, he will be reigning. And that's a wonderful thought as we think about our lives and we come to break this bread. May this bread and wine really proclaim to us the death of Jesus until he comes again and help us to think that it's not through the law by following a set of rules that we come to Jesus but through faith so our prayer this morning Father is to increase our faith may that faith be stronger within us and so that we might feel more able to shine for you and do your will in our everyday lives and work towards that coming kingdom so we thank you for this bread We thank you that it demonstrates to us your supreme love, your love and your grace showered down upon us. We think about that now and we thank you. And although we feel humble, we feel joyful, Lord, that you care for us. In every situation in our lives, you care for us. And we thank you for that. And as we say, please increase our faith and guide us through the coming days. Amen. This bread represents the body of our King, given given willingly for his people. Jack is going to offer our thanks to the wine. Dear Father, we continue our thanksgiving to you now. We've not come here as Andrew prayed that we might fulfil the law. And Jesus commanded us to do very very few things but one thing he did say was to do this in remembrance of him and Father all our remembrances will be different as we meet around this cup this morning Father each one of those remembrances will be precious in your sight whether it's the remembrance of a kindness of your wonderful words of love whether it's the promise of the coming king Father all those things are precious in your sight and many more besides and we pray that as we join together in communion as this wine binds us together that our act of worship might be pleasing in your sight And we thank you for this blessing in the name of Jesus. Amen.
Blessings abound where'er he reigns. The prisoner leaps to loose his chains. The weary find eternal rest. And all the sons of want are blessed. We remain seated. We're going to sing together. Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Good morning. Anybody know what date it is? Anybody want to tell me? <laughs> 3rd of October. And if you want to synchronise your watches, it's about 17 minutes past 11, give or take. So you can clock me from now. It's never going to happen again. Not that you can clock me. The 3rd of October, 17 minutes past 11, 2010. It's never going to happen again. This today, this is it. And we only get it once. So what is today for you? I think it's probably the same as it is for me. It's a Sunday. Um, at which point, it's one of these. Or maybe more than one. It's a rest day. Or maybe not. Eyebrows down. It's a church day. It's a relaxing day. It could be a stressful day. It is definitely a wet day. It's the day before Monday. It's the day on which, for Charles, he's presiding, leading. For me, I'm speaking. For a number of us, we may be cooking, we may be cleaning. We might not be doing quite as much walking outside as we might have thought. We'll be chatting, we'll be reading, we'll be eating, we'll be listening, we'll be sleeping, we'll be laughing. We will possibly, at some point, be getting annoyed We'll be driving. I think your mind might have wandered off onto some of the stuff you're going to be doing later on. So I'm going to bring you back on track. Today is just like any other Sunday. Tomorrow will be like any other Monday. And Tuesday is going to be like any other Tuesday. Because actually, do you know what? They're ordinary days. They're ordinary days and you and I are just ordinary people living ordinary lives. Well, they are if we view them that way. So, let's just take a week in my life. A little bit of maths for you. Um, the last one, those seven days, that week I could have 3,640 of those in my life. So could you before you start doing any other maths. Okay? Working from today, of the 25,550 of these days that I've got allotted, I might have about another 9,000 to go. It's probably no wonder then that days flow into weeks, flow into months, flow into years, and time just marches on. Because as I said, as I said they're ordinary days, and we're ordinary people. You can probably, if you think back, think about the days that were just ordinary. And maybe particularly for us as a church, the days whereby they were really special days. And I can look back on them and I, they bring a smile to my face. So, well, I'm picking a few, but I'm going to miss some out. I'm going to think of the Fellowship Weekend. I'm going to think of the Bethel Festival. I'm going to think of Youth Church Prize Giving. I'm going to think of certain Sunday mornings where my attention was grabbed 
And I was focused. And I was on board. And I was fired up for Jesus. And that don't happen every week. That don't happen often enough. Today, the Harvest Sunday, is probably going to be one we're going to look back on and we're going to have a smile on our faces. And I think back to the Grasmere weekend. And for those who weren't there, there was a theme for the weekend. Can anybody remember what it was? Oh, look at all those faces. God, Steve. Looking up. Why do you stand looking up into heaven? And this morning's about we don't spend enough time doing that. We don't spend enough time looking up into heaven for what, for what is about to happen. At the end of that weekend, it was a really good example because over that weekend we thought about the river of the water of life. We thought about the tree of life bearing 12 crops of fruits. We thought about the swords into plowshares and we'd made them with Play-Doh. We'd done all sorts of things and it was a great weekend. And like any other weekend, got in the car, drove back down the M6, and just as we came off the motorway at Carrington, the gearbox jammed, and the car limped home, and we had to get green flag out to get the car sorted, and I was back down from gazing up into heaven and gazing into the week that was stretching out in front of me. And here comes another seven days. So get back out on Monday morning and come back to today. Seven days will go by. And then we're here. And we look. And at this moment, we gaze back into heaven. Not just at the rain, but we gaze back into heaven and we think of the time when Jesus will come back. And how easy it is to be here, meeting together, thinking about the stuff we need to think about and pledging ourselves and to God that this week is going to be different. So how do we make it so? I know for me, I thought about Jesus coming a lot at one time. There's times when the world news sort of focuses in for you and actually it's at the forefront of your mind. And we as a group put on special efforts and we really get focused in on the fact Jesus could come, you know. He could come any time. And there's times when you look around and you know Jesus needs to come back and he needs to put things right. But how do I make that real today on Sunday, October the 3rd? Do we as a group talk about it enough do we talk about Jesus coming back and Jesus being here living with us and sharing every day with us is it a reality in our lives that we're living on borrowed time or are we just ordinary people living ordinary days what is your five year plan How's your career mapping out? Have you planned effectively for your retirement? When will you be free of your mortgage? How easily am I distracted? I know and believe Jesus could come at any time. 
He's here now, but he could walk in now. He could walk in before I sit down. Do we believe that? That was a question. Do we believe that? Yeah? So why is it so hard for me, and maybe for you, to grasp hold of it and live it every day? Or have I already convinced myself that actually, do you know what? The events aren't quite right yet. Something's still got to happen. I've got a few more days, a few more weeks, a few more years. Because Jesus isn't going to come back on an ordinary day. you remember the question Wayne asked at the start of his talk last Sunday morning? Do you believe you're going to be in the kingdom? And the response was, yes. I used to think at one time, am I ready? Am I good enough? And I've got to admit, to a certain extent, today I don't have those thoughts anymore. I don't think about, am I good enough? Because I'm never going to be. But Jesus and God will make me so. So I know I will be there. But at times, does that push me towards a little bit of complacency? A little bit of being just lukewarm. It's not really firing me up. Do I just wait for it all to happen? Someday. When I was thinking about a theme for this morning, I was drawn to Matthew 26. And Matthew 26 is the events leading up to, well, in effect, the crucifixion. And it's, it's a chapter we know, I'd, 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 I'd say reasonably well, because there's all sorts of things go on. Turn to it if you wish, but don't, if you don't want to. Because actually, I'm just going to run through it for you, but I'm going to run through it in a slightly different way. Because Matthew 26 was an ordinary day. Any other ordinary day for the people who played their parts and in it in those in that ordinary day there was a series of extraordinary events that happened but they happened to ordinary people who were just like you and me who weren't set up for the events that were going to happen and there was a plot there was a woman there was a betrayal there was a meal there was a snooze there was a garden, there was an arrest, there was a trial, there was a denial, and there was a cockerel that crowed. See, basically, this is the account of Jesus putting everything on the line for a group of ordinary people. This is the account of Jesus putting everything on the line for you and me. It's too easy sometimes, I think, when we read passages like Matthew 26 to just let it wash over you. So, let's go there. And in our minds, pretend we're one of the ordinary people. Can you imagine what it would have been like if you were sat there as one of the disciples and you're listening to Jesus and he tells you he's going to be nailed to his cross. Can you imagine being a fly on the wall 
and a woman pours a year's worth of perfume, a year's wages worth of perfume, all over Jesus' feet, and then an argument starts to break out because somebody questions whether that's the best, best use. Can you imagine looking on and watching your friend Judas sneaking out to go and see some chief priests and agreeing an appropriate fee? I'll pick that up. Can you imagine sitting there around the table and hearing that one of you would betray Jesus? Can you imagine wondering whether it was going to be you? Can you imagine then sharing a meal with your leader and him talking about not eating again until he's in his father's kingdom? And can you imagine sitting there and thinking, what the heck is going on? Can you imagine when you're in such a confused state, sitting there and singing a hymn? And then later, can you imagine hearing from him that you're going to turn your back on him and deny that you even know him? Can you imagine then setting off for a garden late at night and then being so tired you can't stay awake? Doesn't feel good letting Jesus down, does it? If only I could stay awake and watch. And then all of a sudden Judas arrives and he's kissing Jesus. What is going on? Why are all the soldiers here? Peter, put your sword away. Oh my word, he's cut his ear off. Now there's going to be trouble. Time to run. This is going to get very messy. I can't believe they're asking Jesus all these questions. And why are these crooks making up so many stories just so they can punish him? I don't get it. The high priest has just asked Jesus if he's the son of God. and Well, we all know that. Oh, the high priest has torn his clothes. You know what that means. They're spitting at him, they're hitting him, they're slapping him, they're mocking him. This isn't right. Oh look, there's Peter. He looks really scared. Three people, one by one, recognise him and talk to him, and one by one Peter disowns Jesus. I didn't see that coming. But it's just like Jesus said he would. Just like he said we all would. Can you hear that cockerel? They were ordinary people. They were just like you and me. They're not ordinary people now when we look back on it. But we've got hindsight. We can see those events through our eyes. Not through theirs as they were living them. They didn't know those days were extraordinary. So, am I the woman with the perfume? Am I the person questioning how she's using it? Am I asleep when I should be awake? 
Have I got my sword in my hand to protect my saviour? Or am I being asked about my Lord and choosing to deny the fact that I've even met him? Which role am I acting out? What are the conversations and discussions that take place in your house, in your work? Can Jesus join in? Personally, I find this really quite sobering because we are the disciples. We are watching the events and they might not be as significant as what we've just talked about in Matthew 26. But how do we know? And how do we know that the events that are going to take place this afternoon aren't the ones that bring Jesus? Every day, we're playing out events in our lives where we have the opportunity to stand up for Jesus or do exactly the opposite. And how easy it is to snooze when I should be watching and I should be waiting. How much notice have I taken of whether there's enough oil in my lamp to ensure I'm ready for when the bridegroom turns up? And where did I put that oil anyway? The kingdom's around the corner and it will be great. Make no bones about it, it will be fantastic. And we're going to be there. But are we ready for it? Are we living for it? And is it the only thing that's driving us? For some of us, it will come quicker than others. For a lot of people I know and love, they're as good as they are now because they're asleep waiting for Jesus to come. We're going to, in a few minutes, sing hymn 405. And the last verse reads, We know the end, we know the way, and some with life he will endow. Shall we be with him in that day? We make the answer now. Through God's grace we will be in the kingdom. Not through anything we're doing. What we're doing on this ordinary day, as we've shared bread and wine together, is thinking about where I really stand. Thinking about examining ourselves, checking in with God and Jesus thinking about our relationship and knowing that they'll love us anyway. Why did Jesus die? So he could come back. He died so the kingdom could become a reality. He longed for it, he loved for it, and he lived for it. And he was driven by the vision of God being all in all here. I grew up thinking I needed to earn salvation. I needed works to gain the kingdom. Thinking I was going to stand before the judgment seat. Destined to fail. And I'm pleased to say I know that's not right. I do believe in salvation through grace. I do believe in a loving saviour that is absolutely cheering us on to succeed. And I do believe in a caring God who loves each one of us and doesn't want anyone to fail. But I'm not going to get back in complacent world. I've got to put things in place to ensure I'm living a life that's ready for Jesus. 
And in that, I know I've got work to do. Today could be extraordinary. Am I ready for the events that take place? I don't have a magic formula that I can share with you or sell to you or otherwise that will mean automatically you're ready for when Jesus comes back. Because believe me, there wouldn't be any left. But we've got to encourage each other. We've got to talk about Jesus coming back. And we've got to talk about it regularly and passionately. And we've got to mean it. The message translates 1 Thessalonians 5 as this. I don't think, friends, that I need to deal with the question of when all this is going to happen. You know as well as I that the day of the Master's coming can't be posted on our calendars. He won't call ahead and make an appointment any more than a burglar would. And about the time everybody's walking around complacently congratulating each other, we've sure got it made, now we can take it easy. Suddenly everything will fall apart. It's going to come as suddenly and as inescapably as birth pangs to a pregnant woman. But friends, you're not in the dark. So how can you be taken off guard by any of this? You're sons of light, daughters of day. We live under wide open skies and we know where we stand. So let's not sleepwalk through life like those others. Let's keep our eyes open and be smart. People sleep at night and get drunk at night, but not us. Since we're creatures of day, let's act like it. Walk out into the daylight, sober, dressed up in faith, love and the hope of salvation. God didn't set us up for an angry rejection, but for salvation by our Master Jesus. He died for us, a death that triggered life. Whether we're awake with the living or asleep with the dead, we're alive with him. So, speak encouraging words to one another. Build up hope so you'll all be together in this. No one left out, no one left behind. I know you're already doing it, just keep on doing it. Why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you've seen him go into heaven. My family, let's be extraordinary and let's take every day as a gift from God. Because it is. And let's treat today October 3rd as the day in which Jesus is coming back because he might thank you very much Trevor for giving us a, a bright hope on a, on a dull day <laughs> thank you very much we're going to sing the, the hymn which Trevor referred just read out the verse the last verse which uh, uh, Trevor quoted from we know the end we know the way and, and some with life he will endow. Shall we be with him on that day? We make the answer now.
Loving Heavenly Father, we do thank you for this time we spent together this morning, particularly as we have remembered your wonderful gift of the harvest. We remember those people around us who are not as blessed as we are, and we are thankful that we've been able to made a, make a, a small presentation to them to show them your love. We've also been reminded so forcibly by Trevor of our relationship with you, Heavenly Father, and our Lord Jesus. And we are so blessed to know that we are a strong family, brothers and sisters in Christ. And we're so truly, truly blessed to be here this morning to hear these words of encouragement. We're certainly encouraged by them, Heavenly Father. We've been encouraged by the readings and by particularly Paul's letter to the, uh, to the Galatians wherein he tells us we are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For all of you who were baptised into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female, for we are all one in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to that promise. What a wonderful promise that is, Heavenly Father, to look forward to your kingdom to come. We pray that we will be encouraged as the days emerge. We pray, Heavenly Father, they will not be ordinary days, but they will be days where we look to the return of your wonderful Son, Jesus, and that we will open our hearts to, at every opportunity to proclaim your love to others. So we've been encouraged to do just that this morning, Heavenly Father, and we're so thankful. We offer our prayers always because of and in the name of your wonderful Son, Jesus. Amen. 